everyone, and welcome to the Friday, December 4th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. Needless to say, we're still at my house. Is this ever going to end? My name is Mike Malone, and I've been covering this town longer than anybody. I'm here with our special contributor, Scott Budman, business and tech reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host for this podcast as always, it's the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott, let's go. Quite a week. Yeah, you, you know, come back from vacation. <laughs> there's no slowdown. <laughs> no. There's traditionally been a slowdown right. in tech, but that's gone away the last few years. And this year, pandemic or no, there is just no stopping. It just keeps the pouring out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the first, the big story, I think, the emotional story. I, th I thought of you about this because I know you've been sort of the Valley's de facto historian for decades now. I wrote the book on HP. Exactly. Yeah. I read that book. And to see, I guess, you know, let, let's clear this up. It's not exactly HP leaving the Valley. Okay, but it's, HP Enterprise right, announces that it's going to move. It's going to keep some research here, but it's moving its headquarters to Houston. Right. Okay. Um, and this comes on the heel of the, you know, we saw the, the younger upstart Palantir say, oh, the Valley's not for us. We're moving our headquarters. Texas has made all sorts of moves over the last right. decade or so to try to get tech. Um, but what does it mean, I'll put this to you, that even an arm of HP is leaving yeah. Silicon the Valley? The Ur company of Silicon Valley. They the started first it, company, yeah. The yeah. company that defines Silicon Valley. Yeah, you know, I've rationalized. It was like a gut punch when I first heard it. You know, it's like, oh, no. And then I rationalized it by saying, well, HP Enterprise, that's compact. You know, that's right. that's Carly Fiorina's folly, you know. <laughs> it was it was never that. I mean, HP did a brilliant job of absorbing that acquisition, but it never should have happened in the first place. Let them go back to Houston and that headquarters down there, which is like Gattaca. I mean, because the weather is so terrible. They have tubes between the buildings and and all of that and bye bye you know but then i i thought well wait a minute what does this symbolize I mean, we have we have a hot young company palantir that mm -hmm. leaves we have people are streaming out of san francisco i mean you can't you can't get a u-haul trailer right you know they're not around because everybody seems to be leaving and now you have a piece of the founding symbolic company of silicon valley moving out and i had this weird vibe it's, it's been starting to bother me lately you know years ago i made a complete idiot out of myself about four times as a journalist predicting this was the we were at the end of silicon valley and it had its golden age and i missed every time i you know i whiffed and i thought okay i'm not gonna do that anymore because the valley has ability to revive itself to undergo these renaissances out of the blue by finding new technologies and everything else but this one struck me it hasn't been 20 years since I've thought this way, but the combination of all of these things, the backlash against technology, you know, the fact that we're learning we don't have to all be in one place, swapping pheromones. I always thought the key to, to the valley here was we reached a critical mass where you couldn't escape technology. Entrepreneurship was in our water at, at a certain point. But now the concatenation of all these different events occurring you know, that you, you don't have to be here physically. The companies are downsizing. All of these factors, the housing prices, I don't know. This this gives me a sense of foreboding in a weird way. I may be wrong. I'd love to be wrong again. <laughs> but I, I haven't felt this much foreboding in 25 years. 
and and the HP thing, yeah, it's it's not that big a deal when you step back and look at it rationally. But on the other hand, it's incredibly symbolic. I mean. Yeah, that's what I thought. It, it seems to me that it's symbolic as someone who, who doesn't have anywhere near the history in this in this area that you do. Uh, to me, the concern was sort of what you said at the top. You've got some of these hot companies that are saying, well, we don't really have to be here, yeah. partially because of the technology itself, yes. but also because, um, you know, there's, well, there's too much liberalism here or, you know, there's just an... And, you know, we sent everybody home and we didn't lose any productivity. Exactly. You know? So we've proven that the work from home sort of cliche that we've always talked about is actually doable. Yes. And that's been, to me, one of the revelations business-wise of the pandemic. And we're developing all sorts of new social customs and structures and everything else to remain competitive and productive even when we're virtual. And yet, uh, and we've seen it just this morning, but we've seen it for months, the job picture, which has gotten so depressing and cloudy, which, I mean, we did shut down the world's largest economy, so you sort of expected that. But tech is still growing, and it's growing specifically in Silicon Valley. Right New hires, whether you have to be well, here or not. Well, we talked the other day that 60% of all those code writers in San Francisco who want to get the hell out of the city right. want to move to the South Bay. Right. So, which, which traditionally was sort of the move. You know, you'd, you'd be young and single in San Francisco, right. but then when you'd get married and have kids and need a little more space in a good school, you got to flee San Francisco, so right. you come to the South Bay. And so we're sort of seeing that again, and yet not only are we seeing new hires, but the pace of initial public offerings that we're it's seeing. Insane. It's insane. All right. In, in during a, not only a pandemic, but a recession, tech is still strong and growing and bringing people here and bringing money here. And obviously we're undergoing, despite everything, a gigantic building boom around here. Yeah, that too. And that's a surprise because we certainly don't need space for people right now yeah. in offices. <laughs> we need them in homes. We yeah, but you know, a lot of this is real estate. You know, yeah, townhouses and condos are springing up all over the mid-peninsula here. And we're seeing those new residential towers down in San Jose. Yeah, and I wonder if we're seeing yet another divide because the rents are dropping so much. Yeah. And, you know, who rents? Sort of younger people, newer employees, not the vested yet. Right. Uh, and then who can buy houses? Those who have, you know, cashed in some stock. And housing prices, largely because of scarcity, but still, they're going to record highs where rents are dropping 20 and 25% in some parts of the Silicon Valley and Bay Area. Right. Yeah. You know, another thing I've noticed is we're kind of repeating a cycle that started 50 years ago. The Valley started in Palo Alto with HP um, mm-hmm. and then moved down Mountain View, Sunnyvale, you know, Fairchild and then Atari and, you know, Silicon Graphics and all that headed down into San Jose, First Street, Golden Triangle, went around the Bay to Fremont. And I always thought, well, they'll keep going south, you know, down to Hollister <laughs> and and they'll head east over the hills, you know, over the um, Aldemont Pass, the Tracy and all that. But it's like we circle around again. And now the center of, of the center of tech in the Bay Area is about a mile from here right there at 237, 101, and 85. And now it's moving down to San Jose again. It's like we, we're, we just rotate. The valley rotates. It spirals upwards by making that path. That's interesting because who would have thought in that path that you've charted that uh, South San Francisco would become such a biotech hub 
right. you know, rivaling Massachusetts and, you know, all the Harvard folks out there. Yeah. And yet so many companies are there and we're seeing a lot of the, you know, the virus progress or the vaccine progress come out of South San Francisco and companies like Gilead in Foster City. Uh, you know, it's very windy. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's cold, but uh, but people are are sprouting lots of jobs there. And we're seeing these, you know, biotech IPOs as well. Everybody's coming out of the woodwork. You know, if, if we had a visionary governor, well, we have one, but visionary in the right way was really for development of the Bay Area. He would start, he would have made that high-speed train go east to west and taken it up the 80 corridor over Altamont, you know, down south um, into the Central Valley and have a feeder to keep growing this place and then have this place spread out down there. Maybe I just thought the high-speed rail, I didn't really understand what a boondoggle people thought of that yeah. until uh, a, a number of years ago when the high-speed rail was hot. Um, I had a, a fairly regular slot on the Larry Kudlow show on oh. CNBC. Remember before he went to Washington? Yes. He had, and, you know, he had that reputation of being conservative, but I had no idea every night I was on, he would introduce me, you know, and I'd do some sort of Silicon Valley stock thing, but he'd introduce me as, you know, from the home of the boondoggle <laughs> high-speed rail. And at one point during a commercial, I was like, sir, do people on the East Coast really look at us that way? And absolutely. I thought, ah, that's interesting. Okay, so what do you think? What do you think this means for the Valley? I mean... Let's try to wrap that up. I, it, it, in your mind, what was your reaction when you heard this besides, oh, God? I think it, it speaks to a couple of things. Yes, traditionally, and it's, it's a gut punch when it comes to the, the very first that leaves, yeah. you know. And, and that means something symbolically. But, you know, they had bought a couple companies out here, and they're moving those workers into that building. Yeah. So they don't lose anybody. Right. They're moving all of, what, 2,500, 2,600 yeah, people? Yeah, and HP, Inc., the real heart. And right. HP is still here. And and HP, even the ink, is not nearly as relevant as it was, not to no. mention HPE, right. uh, you know, the services company. And so it doesn't really mean much. And this is going to be one of those moments where people say, oh, the young techies, they just don't appreciate history. But there isn't all that much going on here. No. Largely no. because if you drive up Page Mill Road, the headquarters is still there. HP mattered because of the HP way. And yeah. HP hasn't had right. the HP way as a philosophy now for... 20 years. I mean, they struggled. You know, Carly Fiorina took a lot of crap, but part of it was she was dealing with a new world where you right. couldn't be that big and you couldn't have that many employees and you couldn't move that slowly. And, right. uh, you know, the compact deal was controversial, but, but those I were would two argue companies. Her mistake was she didn't understand the HP way, which was HP always trusted its employees mm. to take it to the next step. I mean, we have much bigger companies now. Of course, they're not manufacturing. Well, Apple is. So they did, her and everybody that followed, none of them trusted the employees. And HP was always, that's why Bill and Dave succeeded. Their model trusted employees. And if once that's gone, HP is just another company. That's true. And we've seen some of the hot shots, you know, like Yahoo, yeah. go irrelevant, but without all that much uh, bad news. Right. They just sort of faded away. Faded away. Carly and, Fe and HP, there was so much blood on the streets. Oh. I mean, it went from... You know I was persona non grata there during her tenure. It <laughs> was stuff I wrote in the Wall Street Journal. I, I mean, I was covering it too, and nobody wanted to see any of us because the news was so bad for so long, and it was just so many layoffs. And I remember there were time periods when I got here uh, to the South Bay, 
Yeah. Um, there was a saying that, you know, throw a dead cat around, you'd see someone who worked at Applied Materials. Right. Because that was sort of one of those companies. You know, 10 years later, it's between a dead cat around, you found someone who had been laid off at HP. Right. And and they were laid off and they were third generation HPers. That right. was the, yeah, I'm, remember, I worked for HP before I became a newspaper man. <laughs> I mean, I was there during the, at the end of the Bill and Dave era. I actually got to see what is perhaps, and that's the subtitle of my book, if you remember, the world's greatest company. And they really were. It's It was like Apple from 20 to 2010, that kind of innovation, combined with the most enlightened personnel policies ever. Now imagine that combination and all of it's gone. Yeah, and so that hurts the relevance and it, it hurts the, you know, it used to be we want to get bought by HP, we want to work for HP, we want to, you know, and now they're just so far down that list. Yeah, they don't, um, they, they're irrelevant. No. Okay, Dow, the Dow, what is going on? Aren't we, are we in a lockdown? Haven't we shut down our economy? <laughs> you know, the Dow broke 30K. I was watching, I checked the market this morning. It's 30,100 now. I mean, it's still climbing. What is going on? I mean. Okay, tech and biotech, you know, anything you, anything you can deliver remotely is doing really well right now. But sure. is this really a 30K market? It's a 30K market, but I would argue against it being a 30K economy. Economy, yeah. And one of the themes of this podcast in, in the time that we've done it has been sort of the difference between Wall Street and I guess what you could call Main Street or, right. you know, whatever it is here in, in the Valley. Well, the notion always was, well, the Dow is, you know, it's an early indicator of what's coming. But do these guys there have any more understanding of what's in our future than we do? I mean, it seems like this is almost impossible to predict. And yet the, the market seems to be predicting really good times. Well, you know, you say it's impossible to predict, but rewind eight months yeah. when we shut down the economy. And I wasn't one of these, but I don't give myself that luxury to predict and buy stocks. But there had to be people out there saying, okay, my gym is closing. Right. Maybe I'll buy some Peloton stock. Okay. Uh, I can't go into a restaurant anymore. Gee, I wonder if DoorDash is going to have a gazillion dollar IPO to some right. that Postmates got bought by Uber. All of a sudden, 15 days to flatten the curve. It's now nine. Is it now eight months? Right. So. Uh, and, and and that means the economy overall is really struggling. Small businesses are closing like crazy. Right. And we're now in sort of that second wave of Yeah, and the Dow doesn't care about small business. The Dow does not, because look at what's on the Dow. Uh, and it's even gotten more towards tech and software, which right. are really you know dominating. I mean, Mark Andreessen, God, how many years ago said software is, is eating the world? Yeah. And it's happening again. And yeah. um, it's dominating Wall Street. Well, and yet be, you don't see it that. It could be that Wall Street's saying, good that we're losing small business it increases the hegemony of publicly traded companies it makes them richer and stronger which we've been seeing for the last few months you know so maybe well, it wasn't that the reason that you had the occupy wall street movement like yeah. those arrogant bastards up in new york saying yeah we don't care about small businesses well Let you know if you're sitting down with a balance sheet that and you're putting together your investment portfolio i think you put small businesses off to the side and say they're gonna go down and these guys, these big guys that we can buy stock in, are growing like topsy. Look, this this hammered it to me. I went, you know, we're trying to keep our local small businesses open, right? You know, and I tell my daughters, we're gonna, I'll do more takeout than usual because yeah. we wanna help these guys, but we haven't even dined al fresco. So we're, we're not helping right. them in that way, but we'll do takeout. Go up to takeout, 
see the young person saying, you know, gosh, I'm the only one working here. Everyone else has been laid off. Uh, hold up my phone. Beep. Pay by Square. Yeah. Square has become one of the more valuable companies in Silicon Valley yes. during all this. Yeah. While that restaurant and all the other ones that have Square software are laying people off and going away. Nothing against Square. They're filling a need. Of course they are. But it's a need because we can't go into a restaurant because right. we still have this pandemic nine months in. I've had restaurant owners I've known for years and years. When I come in to pick something up or they go, God bless you. You know, yeah. I mean, they're literally, and this, and it, with another lockdown coming in the next few days, it may last through the end of the year. I don't know how they make it. I do not know how any of these guys make it. Well, with cold weather, are you going to eat outside under the tent? No. No, and, and some of these restaurants now, with, with the, just yesterday, Governor Newsom's edict would be no more outdoor dining. Yeah. If the hospital ICU beds get to a certain level, and that's likely to happen soon, even here in the Bay Area. Um, so yeah, it's very scary out there for restaurants and for those who work in any sort of small business that caters, you know, your, your nail salon, your hair salon, right. your gym, uh, those are all closing down if they're not already closed. I don't know how this ends. Uh, deals, okay. Slack was just bought by Salesforce, $28 billion. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This and is one of those weeks where you look at the economy and see where we've come. Slack, which is, you know, let's face it, it allows us to write text messages to each other yeah. when we work. I mean, that's a business? Yeah. $28 billion. $28 billion, we're uh, business. DoorDash. Yep. This is food delivery. We've had this forever. It's <laughs> yeah. about to be a $32, $34 billion IPO. Um, <laughs> what is Postmates? I don't even know what Postmates is. It's a delivery service. Another one, and Uber bought it for yeah, almost Uber, $3 billion bucks. So Uber Eats and Postmates are now, I believe, combined, the okay. number two. DoorDash is number one. Um, and these are companies each worth tens of billions of dollars uh, because they do something that's been around since the beginning of restaurants, food right. delivery. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but you have to, these people are, this is why these guys who do these companies are geniuses. Because <laughs> yes. you and I, we're still living, well, until recently, we were still living in 2000, where all of those virtual food delivery services all went broke because they couldn't make a dime. They, they had no profits. They just had a bunch of venture funding during the bubble. And so in the back of my mind, it was always, well, you can never make money delivering food. These guys said, oh, wait a minute, maybe you can right now. Right and, now. And, and now and, they're billionaires and I'm not. Right. And, and you know, I, I think the stock market is a bit of a predictor of the future. Yeah. And so they're saying uh, by these valuations that these companies are getting, whether it's, um, you know, DoorDash or uh, Postmates and even and even Slack and Square, they're saying this what we're doing now doesn't end anytime soon, no matter how fast or, or efficient the vaccines get here. Um, no, I think this is true. going to be how we do this stuff for a while. And so you're right. They're, what is it called? Making hay while the sun shines. Right. I mean, we, there's, they're predicting a behavioral change in all of us. And right. even when we're free to go back to restaurants, we're going to say, oh, let's just stay home and, you know. Right. I think that binge um, on some series. people will still be, those who can afford it, will still be buying the Pelotons and uh, they'll still be playing video games and we'll still be streaming movies for, for some time. Okay. Well, okay, so hence all these IPOs this year. Uh, DoorDash, now since what we talked about, it's understandable. But how does Airbnb have a great IPO right now? Are people staying in Airbnbs? They are a little bit. They I mean, you admit, want to go to a stranger's house? I think the Airbnb IPO was sort of a, a 
something that had been in the works for so long yeah. that they're just taking advantage of a strong market, right. stock market, not necessarily a strong um, Airbnb market. But they've become kind of a verb. They're just built into the world now. Yeah, no, it's they're, a lifestyle, but I would have yeah. thought it would have been flattened during this period. It was in the early part of the pandemic, and they even had layoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, their S1 talked about, hey, we've had a bunch of layoffs, we had to cut back. But I think now it's sort of what people are doing um, instead of going to a big hotel yeah. where there's lots of people breathing. Yeah. yeah. And so Airbnb is, is claiming, hey, we've got strong cleaning policies. And even if you don't believe in our own cleaning policies, if you bring some wipes and whatever, you can kind of do it yourself because you're renting a room or a house or a, a right. bungalow or whatever. Uh, and so that seems to be what people are doing, like you say, in lieu of a big hotel vacation with a whole lot of people around. So that air, those Airbnbs better have a stove and a refrigerator because once you get there, you're not going out. No, but you can DoorDash. You can DoorDash. Postmates. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can use all these things at the same time and you can pay with Square and your smartphone and bam. Okay, so you wrote me a note saying there's a big, um, well, these IPOs are likely to have a halo effect in San Francisco with all the money flying out of there once all these, these uh, Stockholders, all these all these employees with options are going to get real rich. Are they going to spend their? Are they going to stay in San Francisco and spend their money? Well, I don't know. It really depends on how long the the work at home thing lasts. Right. But they will have money, and traditionally we've seen a spike in housing prices after a chunk of IPOs right. in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley. So um, working at home is a whole lot better, I think, in a house with a yard yeah. than it is in a city. You know, on the 14th floor. Well, that's sort of in the path. You're young. You're at these companies. You work your butt off. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a rainbow at the end of that, or a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, which is your IPO. Meanwhile, maybe you've, you know, found a husband or a wife. You've maybe settled True. down. You need more space. Ah, bam, cash in some stock. I can buy a house. Yeah, and spending $5,000 a month in a studio apartment on the 12th floor, and you can't go out on the street. You can't go clubbing. You can't go out to meals. Right. The city is not an appealing place right now. No, and I think that's why you're seeing rents go down because people are leaving. Right. Um, but the housing market, and it's not just San Francisco. People always just say, oh, San Francisco, that's a seven mile by seven mile area without yeah. a whole lot of housing. But watch what's happening in everywhere from Oakland to San Jose, even to Tracy that you just mentioned. These places are going to start popping because you have all this wealth that's pent up and you have people who don't want to rent an apartment. Unless they and they don't have to anymore. Unless they decide to go to Topeka right. and buy an entire county. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, that's a that is now an option. Well, if IPO money starts leaving the Bay Area, yeah, woof, yeah, woof, yeah, yeah. You know, just ask Oregon and Seattle how well that worked 20, 10 years ago. They're like, stay away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, um, okay. I had I had a bad vibe. I've been hearing it from uh, Bob Grove back in Massachusetts because he really covers biotech. He had a lot of concerns about the vaccine production. You know, he he was betting on Pfizer because they were the big company. But even Pfizer has now announced that their uh, delivery system, their channels are not as robust as they need. And they're gonna have to, they're only gonna deliver half as many vaccines as they predicted in the next few months. Now Moderna today announced the same thing. Uh, and meanwhile, AstraZeneca back over in Oxford they've had real problems because they rushed the testing so much so fast that there's some real concerns about how accurate the data they got was on that testing so the three big players all are stumbling and you know we've pushed this process faster than it's ever been done in history and i think that you know 
things are starting to break down. It may be, um, and, and this is out of my expertise completely, um, but what we do know is there are significant shipping concerns, you know, how cold these things have to be, how yes. long the boxes can be open. Um, and like you said, we've just never done this at this scale before. Right. And everybody is anticipatory and impatient about getting these things, uh, but I think it's just gonna take a while. And if you listen to the politicians, and fewer and fewer people are because those politicians for whatever reason, continue to dine out at French Laundry. Yeah. Um, but what they're saying is... Or, make, or tell people to stay at home on a Zoom call yeah. from Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was good. That was classic. Um, it's sort of like <laughs> tweeting something from your iPhone about an Android and how good it is. And it yeah. says from, you know, iPhone tweet. Um, it, it's as, as little credibility as they may have. What they're saying is true. Uh, you know, the cases are going up, the hospitalizations are going up. And so as badly as we need these vaccines... Uh, it, it's just not time to switch from right. wearing a mask or, or being careful to, oh, the vaccine will take care of it because we've seen some of the numbers that are coming in and it's a tiny fraction of what we need, which almost, and, and you know, I know this may be a, a weird take, but um, as much as I'm absolutely ready to take a vaccine, I don't mind the fact that the numbers at first are going to be small because at least we'll be able to see how it's going. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Well, I don't buy cars the first year they're introduced. Yeah, I don't even download new operating systems. People are always yeah. like, hey, cover this. And I'm like, oh, uh, let me give it a couple yeah, weeks. 2.0. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think that as much as I'm, I'm pro-vaccine and ready to do it, and I want to do it, and I want my right. family to do it, um, when they say, hey, the numbers are going to be small for a while, all right, let's watch those people yeah. first and see how Let that, that goes. that be the alpha. And then take care of the vulnerable. I right. mean, right. basically, we're all doing this to save grandma. Yes. You know, kids don't get it, you know. Well, that's why we're not going into the homes right. of, of our parents. I haven't been in, in my parents' home in nine months. Wow. You know, dropped off groceries, they're, done they're, the wave on the deck. But, they're 30 um, miles away. Yeah, but... I know but, I know people that haven't seen their grandchildren ever. Right. You know. Well, we still Zoom and, right, we can, you know, stand outside and wave, bring them groceries. But, um, but for whatever reason, the threshold of the home is yeah. that sort of stopping line. And, um, and and we're still lucky enough that, hey, I can still bring them groceries or we can still say hi outside. And but, we have Zoom. Yeah, and we have Zoom. Um, but this vaccine is for them first and and, and yeah, right. I get it. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, peek into the streaming future. Warner Brothers says it will launch every title on HBO Max and theaters at the same time. This is interesting because- Okay, so is that the death knell of theaters? I mean, people are going to hesitate to go back to theaters anyway, but now that they've got the alternative, you can see a first-run movie on its premiere day yeah. in your in your den. I don't know. If You're a theater the... guy. You're a movie guy. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. like, I like going to the movie theater just because it's fun. Yeah. Now, it's been a long time since I've dated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in that way. Um, or, or even uh, wanted to stand in line for the latest, you know, superhero blockbuster right uh yet there's still something cool about a theater whether it's a big tentpole movie that you want a big sound system well it's for. a shared experience too yeah and and i get that very much i really appreciate the shared experience of seeing a movie with with people when you're whether you're laughing or being scared or whatever it is um and that that's obviously on a much smaller scale i love streaming too um so don't get me wrong but i hope the theaters don't go away because um, you know, think of all the teenagers you know. They should be oh, yeah. going out on dates and having popcorn and, and you know, seeing a movie. Anything. Right. They're and kind of meeting in a park over here. I mean, I, I look at I look at teenagers and go, boy, you are losing. 
Right. But we haven't had movies and we haven't had concerts and concerts are another thing. Music was always big for me. And it just so happens the age of my children, since they were born, music was always something you just downloaded. Right. They didn't need tapes, not to mention CDs. They just had it all there. So it was very important for me as they grew up to take them to concerts. Right. To see actual live just music. Just to see how it's done. Yeah. And like, hey, this is how music is created and you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I think there's something special if you're a movie fan about seeing something on a big screen, you know, in a theater where it's dark. I don't know why. There's just something yeah. romantic about it. And I hope that doesn't go away. Meanwhile, the head of H, you know, who's talking about this, he ran Hulu. So he knows what time it is when it comes to streaming. Yeah. And there is something to let's release these things. And what I want to know is how many people downloaded Mulan for like 25 bucks off Disney Plus. Right. Because that would tell you quite a bit. Right. You know, if um, if you're a family of three or four... You're going to spend 60 bucks going to a movie theater. Yeah. So if you yeah. have a decent home system, people go, oh, $25, and it's, it's, not, it's not a bad deal. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how many people did it. So the next big business opportunity is figure out how to create a feedback loop so when you're watching streaming at home, you still get the sense <laughs> that you're part of thousands and thousands of people enjoying the experience simultaneously. I guess so. And I bad popcorn. Stale right. popcorn. You gotta right. have a stale popcorn delivery service. Right. Well, every once in a while now, when and I'm on a walk or something, yeah, I'll yeah. stream a live concert <laughs> and pretend I'm there. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about because I remember every concert I went to, and I, and I envy my wife because she saw the Beatles. Oh, that's nice. At the Cow Palace. All right. So I mean, they, they, she's that that's a cultural sure. event that's shared by only a few people and envied by everybody else. <laughs> okay. Uh, a group of states, I think there are 40 of them, uh, may file a lawsuit against uh, Facebook for antitrust. Yeah, so Facebook facing it for antitrust and, um, I mean, there's actually a number of arrows being shot at Facebook these days. Right. Uh, and so far, you know, all you can say is that it's been bulletproof. Yes. Um, largely because it's a big successful company, but also I think the optics of the hearing being done over Zoom is a lot less intimidating, yeah. not only for the executives. Well, but... when you got Rasputin and Data, you know, on Zoom, they look like, <laughs> right. they look like they're bored and they're, you know, yeah. they're just doing this, you know. I don't know if this is theater. the best time for uh, for legislators to bring uh, violations and suits against technology companies when they're dependent on the technology to do it. Yeah, you know, this it's is one their of those home things. Court. It's like, did you try bring antitrust against IBM? and Ford in the 1930s and 40s. Yeah. No, because the whole country depended upon it. Yeah, this you is know? their home court, and, and it's um, it's bad enough that we still have legislators who don't know how Facebook makes right. money. But, but the honestly, idea that when they go up there to lie to Congress, it's sort of like they're just insulting the process. And I, I think, you know, we may look back and the single most important thing that happened this week was actually the President of the United States saying, okay, we're done with this censorship and control of information and all that, and wanting to rescind Section 230. Right. Uh, that's something that I had wondered if that's still going to be around in a new Biden administration. No, it won't be. Um, yeah. I mean, because high-tech elected by all that money. But, you know, that's they kind of deserve it. I mean, the behavior, the arrogance of these guys has really, if they, if they, if they do lose t Section 230, they brought it on themselves. Right, I mean, Facebook just this week saying, okay, we are going to take down posts that talk about um, 
you know, why you shouldn't get a vaccine, you know, the yeah. anti-vaxxer sort of thing. And uh, if that works, and they've been more aggressive, I think, on the, the COVID stuff than they certainly right. were in, in the 2016 election. Um, but there's just so much information floating around Facebook that is bad right. because you can still post lies on Facebook. Right. And Ayatollahs can post on Twitter. Yeah. You know. Uh, so I, I don't know. This will be a big issue. I just I wonder when and if progress will actually be made on this issue. Well, uh, after January, no. I don't believe so. There you go. Okay. Well, that's it for the week. Uh, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.